everyone. Welcome to the San Diego News Fix. Christy Totten here. Starting today, we're going to run personality-driven interviews featuring fascinating people in, around, and from San Diego. Those will drop on Saturdays. The goal is to introduce you to the people who make our region the amazing place that it is. You'll hear from artists, academics, public figures, business people, and more. Today, my guest is Kirby Brady. Kirby is the Chief Innovation Officer at the City of San Diego, where she uses data with the goal of improving our lives. Kirby is the point person behind the Get It Done app, where San Diegans can report problems with city property. It's where you would go to request a new trash bin, report graffiti, or get help with scooter issues. In this episode, we talk about her work at the city. We also talk about hiking, dogs, and her big dreams for the region. I hope you enjoy. Kirby Brady, Chief Innovation Officer at the City of San Diego, welcome to Name Drop. Thank you so much. How are you doing? Uh, today's kind of a big day for you. I, I read that you guys just dropped the strategic plan dashboard. <laughs> yes, it was a huge day. The culmination of a big effort, a big team effort over the last seven or eight months, but really trying to take the mayor's vision, which I feel like he has articulated very well, sold people on some big ideas. We're really trying to bring that down to a level where the general public can understand the work that's actually supporting those visions. So the things that we're actually doing at the city to achieve those goals. So today we released it. Uh, it's an interactive website. I'm very excited to hear the feedback. Hopefully some good. I'm sure there'll be some snide remarks in there too. I'm here for all of it. Uh, so yeah, it was a big day. Very excited. Really cool. Yeah. I mean, I love that you're allowing uh, residents to track the progress. And like, I know that's a big part of what you do, right? As you work with data as the CIO. Um, can you explain to me a little more about your job? Sure. Yeah. So um, chief innovation officer, which if you ask 10 different chief innovation officers what they do, you're going to get 10 very different answers. Uh, it's, a, I think, a newer, a newer role uh, for many cities, including the city of San Diego. So I'm certainly proud to be the first. But in my role, I also run the performance and analytics department. We are affectionately referred to as Panda. <laughs> and we're basically the city's data team. And so uh, what we're, I'll start with what we're well known for. The first thing I think people uh, recognize when they hear us is get it done. So we uh, provide that platform for the general public. It's how average residents can just request services of the city. So you have a pothole in your neighborhood that's giving you a, a hard time. You've got a street light that's out. Um, you use this platform to request the services from the city. So we built that platform launched in uh, 2015, 2016, and we've continued to grow, continuing to add more and more departments and more city services to the platform over time. So the idea is that we're just simplifying the customer experience. So making it easy for the average resident to connect directly with us. That's just one of the things that we do. We are a, a small but mighty team of 15. And so also on my team, we have our chief data officer and she heads up all of our data efforts, we run the open data portal. And so in a lot of ways, our, our department has always been committed to transparency and trying to provide tools to average folks just to give them you know, a way to connect with government and really understand what we're doing. So our data portal is accessible to everybody, primarily used by journalists and by academics <laughs> uh, to, to quantify and to, to measure the services the city's providing. Usually it's about how quickly or how slowly we're doing something. But either way, we just want people to know that that information is out there for them to use. Um, we also spend a lot of time, frankly, just analyzing performance. And so I think the beauty in all of the work that we do is 
you know, we've created this tool now for people to request services from us. And then the nice part about that is when someone requests the city do something like fill a pothole, we now have that record, a transaction of that work happening. And so think about all the tens of thousands of requests we're getting every month. At the end of the day, what you end up with is a very large database that's perfect for trying to better understand operations and how well uh, or how um, poor sometimes things are working. And so my team spends a lot of time working with the data. We like to say we kind of run our fingers over it and look for those cracks. And then we kind of dive in and evaluate. And so what we do is we are regularly monitoring all of the services that we provide when we see trends in something. So for instance, you know, why did we see a big spike in missed collections yesterday? Then we spend a, a lot of time investigating that, trying to understand what's driving that. And then we also have a group of folks on my team that are specialized in process improvement. And so when we do find those areas and those opportunities to, to improve, we send these folks in, they're kind of like these tactical experts and they work with departments to help them improve the operations. So we really do it all um, really with an eye towards efficiency. So trying to just help the city become more efficient, more efficient in uh, anything and everything that we do. And so um, I will say that there is no shortage of problems for us to investigate. <laughs> um, how did you find your way into this line of work? Um, you know, when did you decide to dive into data? So my background actually is in urban planning, uh, but I've always spent time and really appreciated working with data. And so dating back to the program that I went through at USC, I really, you know, found uh, my calling and really appreciated the more kind of data-driven route. So spending time, particularly around demography. So looking at trends and migration, how people move, why they move, what makes cities attractive. And so again, my, my angle for this has always been, you know, how can we look at problems that we see out there in the world today? How can we analyze them? How can we use data to help drive and sometimes point to those solutions? And so it's always been the combination of the two for me that gets me really excited. It's working with data to help explain the trends that we're seeing, but then knowing that the ultimate goal is for, for myself and for my team to improve, you know, the immediate surroundings, improve the city, improve the lived experience for folks here. So that kind of, again, combines my passion for cities and places, my hometown of San Diego, but then again, trying to improve it. So I'm a nerd, I'm a data nerd and I'm a city <laughs> planning, a city planning nerd as well. So I love it. I mean, the applications sound uh, really exciting. Okay. I want to ask you more questions um, about your job and about your visions for the city, but um, I have a lightning round for you. That's just kind of random and off the wall. And because you're a native, what are San Diegans best hidden gems? Ooh, I know, um, yeah, yeah. sorry to ask you to give them away, but <laughs> no, um, can this be anything like anything like your interpretation? Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, I will say for people that are, especially people that are coming to San Diego from outside of the region, I talk to a lot of folks that come for travel, whether for business or for pleasure. And people, I think really discount the border. Um, the fact that San Diego is a really a border community and that we have a really strong binational economy. So I think a hidden gem for me, it's just, you know, I spend time with friends when they come into town, take the trolley down to the border, walk across, do dinner, do drinks on the other side of the border. So that's, I think that's a huge hidden gem because I don't think people take advantage of that um, as often as they could and should. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think of what else. There are a lot, there are a lot. Um, 
I would say, um, so for San, Diego, for San Diego County, there are a couple places that I spend a lot of time just because I like to be out um, exploring anything that gets me out from beyond a roof, under, from underneath the roof and these four walls is helpful. So I spend a lot of time out, particularly in the desert. So thinking about like Borrego Springs, um, some wonderful hiking out there is where I spend a lot of time. Um, the Anza Borrego State Park is phenomenal. Um, I also spend a lot of time up on Mount Laguna. And mm -hmm. I think a hidden gem is the fact that people don't know that San Diego's got a couple of really quality and amazing observatories where you can go and check out the night sky. So those are just some of the things that I, and I'm not even going to say the two that are top of mind for me because I don't want to give them away entirely. <laughs> so people are going to have to do their own research on that one. But those are what I think are San Diego's hidden gems. I love it. That's so good. Um, I'm also big into hiking. Um, what are your, what desert trails do you like to do or what would you recommend? Um, what's the, have you ever done? Okay. So one, and I always forget the name of it, but it was, it's very intense. I've done it a couple of times, but it's the trestles. It's the bridge out there, the old railroad bridge. Yeah. Isn't it goat something? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't done it. No, I haven't actually been out there. I'm still fairly new to San Diego, but, um, yeah, that looks amazing. So check that out. And I would say that is a hidden gem because it takes a little bit of investigation to figure out how you get there. Mm -hmm. um, that's a good one too. So, and then I think more locally, you know, the truth is I'm not out in Borrego Springs um, every weekend, but somewhere that I do frequent a lot is just mission trails and that entire system. And so uh, I think the, obviously the, the most well-known is Cowles Mountain. And I completely avoid that because I think it is very much a tourist trap. It's terrible. Um, <laughs> but there are, there are some very, very beautiful trails um, in that system that I think just aren't well explored. I think you, there are a couple you can spend time out there and you don't really see people for the entire day. So um, yeah, we spend a lot of time wandering around and um, hiking is, you know, I think always a favorite pastime for San Diego. So those are some of my favorite places to hang out on a regular basis. I love it. And I completely agree with you about Cal's house for the record. <laughs> um, okay. If you, who would play you in your biopic? Ooh, that's a good one. Give me a second to think about that. Yeah, I had an I had an answer. I'll tell you. I'll tell you a story about that. Um, I took a, a well-known uh, leadership course in San Diego that I enjoyed very much, and that was a question that came up, and everyone had to go around the room uh, and explain or just tell the tell the group who would play them in the, in a biopic. And I want to say that I think there were five women of color in that class, and all five of us said Carrie Washington. <laughs> because of scandal and she's such a badass but now I feel like I've got to figure out another a backup because everybody Carrie Washington's going to have her hands full with all of our <laughs> as yet to be released biopics um I don't know I mean I think you know she's not an actor she's not she's not an actor but I feel like if I could have anyone play me uh and for people to not associate her with her own very prolific and amazing career, I think it would be Michelle Obama. Wow, her yeah. breakthrough performance. Yeah, as I think Brady. so. <laughs> yep, yeah. that's what I'm, I'm doubling down on that. So yeah, that's amazing. Michelle, if you're listening, please. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's amazing. Yes, please come on name drop as well. <laughs> um, what is the hardest thing you've had to do in your life? Oh, man. You know... I'll, I'm going to get a little emotional for a second, but I think the hardest thing, I'm a, I'm a big um, animal lover. 
And uh, I think the hardest thing I've had to do is always is, you know, saying goodbye to, to friends. And so I recently just put down my dog who was 17 and um, he has been with me through every major life event. We've had a lot of dogs, but I can tell you um, this particular dog, I got him before I graduated college. So he's been there for everything for college and, you know, my first job and then taking an internship after the recession when I thought I was just going to be a normal employed person forever, but wasn't and getting married and buying a home and all these things. And so just to have um, a companion that's really been there for that entire time um, to lose them is something that, you know, is, is terribly hard. And I know that anyone who's ever had a pet and share that bond can, can relate to that too. So. I'm so sorry to hear that. Um, 17 you. years though. I mean, that's yeah. a good run. That's a long time to have a furry yeah. friend. He, <laughs> was, he, was, he was old and he was just as cantankerous as the day we brought him home. He was a silky terrier and his name was Rocco. So, um, Aww. rest in peace, Rocco. Yeah. My yeah. little angel now. So yeah. Mm, I'm so sorry you had to go through that. Uh, it makes you. me tear up thinking about it. I've often thought if I had to be an actor and I had to cry on command, that's exactly what I would think of. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That'll get you every time, every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, thank you for sharing that. Um, what, what is one of your pet peeves or many, if you have many, if you're like me? <laughs> Ooh, yeah. You know, I hate to be this person, but it's just worth saying my big, my big pet peeve is just, um, not people not having respect for other, other people's time. So, um, punctuality is very important to me. If people who work with me know that my friends know that if, if I tell you we're, we're we've agreed to meet at six o'clock for dinner and for drinks, you better not be rolling up at six 30 because <laughs> I'm not waiting around for you. So that's a big pet peeve of mine is just people not, um, being on time for things and not respecting other people's time. So, mm -hmm. um, the other thing, I mean, everyone's got a couple pet peeves, but my big pet peeve right now in 2022, two and a half years into a pandemic is everybody thinking that every meeting has to be on Zoom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> As we speak I, on Zoom. No, no, this you have to have a conversation like this, you need to be able to see people and read expressions. But for the random call for about the report that's going, like, I don't need to see your face. Let's just have a conversation on the phone. The phone mm -hmm. still exists. Mm -hmm. Let's use the phone. That's my pet peeve. <laughs> yes, I agree. Amen to that. Um, and also, you know, Zoom is just audio. I think that the the pressure to turn on the camera and to constantly present ourselves in ways that we didn't have to before, it's exhausting. You know, I mean, that's fine. I can show up to a meeting and sit in a boardroom and I'm not really thinking about the way that I look. Or I, I just, it just adds stress, you know, it just adds stress. Yeah, that's a great one. Okay, I read on your profile that you're always in search of uh, the best burrito. So what you got? <laughs> okay, so this has evolved. My, my feelings about where to, to get the best burrito have evolved over time. But uh, this goes back to your question about a hidden gym. I am a huge fan of the taco shop near where I live in Normal Heights, Mauricio's. Mm. Uh, it's not on the beaten path. It's not one of the ones, you know, people are going to name drop all the time, but they have a phenomenal breakfast burrito that is a mushroom burrito and it's wow. delicious that okay. is the best burrito so it's got something for everyone for vegetarians 
for people that like meat but can suck it up and forego that carne asada burrito every once in a while <laughs> the mushroom burrito at Mauricio's you will not regret it all right I'm gonna have to put that on the list I've never even heard of a mushroom burrito I don't think but I'm I'm game that sounds fun yep Okay. Well, thank you for participating in the lightning round. Um, you know, just getting back more into the work that you do. Um, you are a native San Diegan. Your job is to improve San Diego and the lives of San Diegans. I mean, what do you see as the biggest challenges you're facing and the biggest, you know, opportunities for growth? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. And I think the further I've gotten into this job, you know, from my perspective, I think the biggest thing we're up against right now, especially coming out of hopefully a pandemic, is just the recognition that we're we're all as residents uh, at in different places in our lives. And so, what I'm most concerned about is particularly issues around equity. Uh, there are lots of challenges that um, exist in terms of people connecting. I'm thinking about it from a government standpoint, but you know, still issues around um, access. Uh, thinking about the fact that when we talk about digital equity, you know, we're still addressing issues with gaps in coverage for Wi-Fi. People may not have access, um, reliable broadband access, and that has lots of implications across society from education. You know, we've got kids that are still kind of half in, half out for remote learning versus in person. Um, this is contributing to disparities, again, when people don't have reliable internet connections. Uh, I'm thinking about it again from a standpoint of I'm pushing technology with something like Get It Done, which requires you to have a computer, have a smartphone at your fingertips, and everybody doesn't have that. So it's kind of who's being left behind and, and who are we not hearing from the more we become and the more kind of this digital society accelerates. So those are some of the biggest, I think, more pressing issues that we're up against. But I also think there's tremendous opportunity. And so I think in my job, you know, even with a, a title like Chief Innovation Officer, at the end of the day, what I'm looking for are new ways that we can connect with people, engage residents, meet them where they're at. And sometimes that means reverting back to, you know, um, methods that are not necessarily tech forward, um, getting out in the community, talking to people, uh, you know, thinking about how we can solicit participation. A great example is with Get It Done. Again, you know, knowing that we've kind of created this resource as one of the primary tools and channels through which people can contact us. But again, knowing that, you know, who's likely to report, people that are most likely to report issues are people that have the means to do so, and including the time uh, and the desire. And so I think about, you know, the, the families out there, whether you're a, a single mom, you know, just trying to put food on the table for your children, get them out the door to school, you know, you, the, reporting that pothole down the street may be the, the furthest thing from your concerns. And so, you know, for, for us, I'm just starting to have these conversations with my team um, the city's made this commitment to put equity at the center of everything that we're doing. Uh, the Office of Race and Equity was established uh, last year with the support and direction from uh, council member uh, Pro Tem Montgomery Step. Um, and so the idea here is that we now know that you know government is being called upon to again reaffirm and commit to the fact that we're there to represent everybody, and that means we have to find some of the non-traditional ways to reach people. And so I don't have all the answers yet, but that is really the, the, the place where my work is headed is thinking through critically some of the new, and dare I say, innovative ways that we're gonna be able to engage people and make sure that everybody in this community feels supported. 
Yeah, I mean, speaking of diversity initiatives, I know that that's something uh, Mayor Todd Gloria's administration has been really strong on. Um, I, I think it's a hard thing to disagree with, but does the city get pushback from any constituents? On yes, that focus? all the time. I think so, um, and we get it from all we get it from all places. So I, I think you know, as they say, if 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 nobody's happy with your with what you're doing, you must be doing something right. But um, we hear we hear the criticism from the community. You know, certainly. The, the claims or the or the feelings that this is disingenuous that we're not really looking to engage people um, you know you hear from people on the opposite side I think we're in a really um, tense political environment where you know there are a lot of people that think when we talk about diversity and equity that that means everybody who's not white and then you know by default that means people who are white are being left out so I mean it's these are very very difficult conversations to navigate. Um, it takes a lot of skill, but at the same time, too, I think the biggest thing that I've learned is that no matter where you're coming from, uh, no matter where you are, you know, on the on the political spectrum, no matter what you know means you come from in terms of your kind of socioeconomic background, and no matter the color of your skin, everybody's feelings are valid. And so, a big part of me, you know, stepping into this role and having to navigate conversations like that, it's really the recognition that at, at the at the end of the day, people just want to feel heard. Um, they want to know that you're listening and in government, they want to know that you're listening and they want you, they want to know that you are taking action on the feedback that they've provided. So this is required of me, um, you know, le less talking and more listening in some of these spaces with the community, but it's the recognition that again, everybody's perspectives are valid. Uh, and we as government, I think are just in the, in the spot. It's, you know, incumbent upon us to make sure that again, we are taking care of everybody's needs, but that does require us to acknowledge and I think address the, the historical inequities um, that are present, you know, because of past decisions that have been made. So it's, it's, a, it's a fun, exciting, tense and difficult place to be in, but I'm here for all of it, so. You mentioned the digital divide earlier and how your organization or your uh, your team is doing work on that front. Um, and, and that just makes me think of the pandemic, you know, and, and the, the problems that it exposed and the way that it just changed the course of all of our lives. Like, how has it changed your work? What has popped up for you that just wasn't on your plate before? Uh, you know, with the, again, with the I think the digital divide, it's, again, some of those criticisms are just that, which is that you know, how, what if uh, the day, you know, the, the world kind of came to a screeching halt when the pandemic broke out in 2020, um, all in-person activities basically ceased. And for something like local government, you know, we have people coming in to, to pay bills in person. Um, we have people coming in to request services in person. And when we shut down, you know, I think the thought before the pandemic was the government will never be able to go virtual. People didn't work remotely. Uh, that wasn't a real thing. People would laugh, you know, oh, we can't do that. We're government. And then all of a sudden we were forced to do that and we rose, rose to the occasion to do so. And so for me, you know, the, the work that I was doing changed very quickly because I started at the city in February, I'm sorry, January of 2020. So I had, a you know, not quite eight weeks in the office before we went remote. I didn't even know what, you know, still trying to learn the names of people at the city and understand what my team does. And we were thrown as a 15 person team uh, into this role uh, under the direction of the previous COO 
to try to envision what the city of the future looked like. And that really meant, how are you gonna take the operations of this 11,000 person workforce uh, and turn some of that and transition some of that into a productive virtual environment? And we did it, um, we did it. I think it for government, that means investing in some of the tools technologically that we didn't have before. Uh, and then some of our more public facing efforts I think you know the commitment was to bring the, the community along with us. And so around the digital divide in particular, you know, the city pivoted to a couple of more innovative models where we were doing things like um, in expanding you know, Wi-Fi hotspots out of our libraries, putting uh, Wi-Fi hotspots in public parks. Um, now, you know, now moving into a program where we've subsidized people's access for Wi-Fi. So basically giving those direct you know, subsidies to people to be able to pay for broadband access, uh, loaning out hotspots through the library, setting up outdoor uh, computer labs, you know, so that folks who were coming to the library for you know, very important resources, like you know, doing their resumes online or job hunting, all of these things that we couldn't do inside anymore, just figuring out a better way to do it overnight. So in a lot of ways, I think that the pandemic, the story is one, of hope and of promise, because I think it forced a lot of us who were in a very kind of old school mindset to realize that that just wasn't an option anymore and we needed to make some changes very quickly. So those are the ways in which I think my work changed um, professionally. And then the focus of our work, again, really centering around the community and who's most vulnerable and who really needs us to step up right now. This is a little off the wall, but you were talking about internet access. Do you see a time in the future uh, where there's just internet everywhere and you don't have to find the park or the library? <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, I think that's a real thing. Um, I know, you know, we're working, there are lots of people that are working on kind of these decentralized Wi-Fi networks and, and across the city now. So um, I hope we get to a place like that. I mean, I know, you know, the utilities are doing that. You can connect to Cox, if you're a Cox subscriber, they've got all these hotspots, but you have to be a subscriber. And I think, you know, to we should make this free and, you know, democratize the internet. And I think there's some interesting um, activity in that space. So I'm, I'm confident that we'll get there to a place where it's this more decentralized network of, and with that comes a whole host of, I think, privacy and security concerns. But um, <laughs> for now, we'll just focus on making that a reality. So I think, I think we'll get there in the future. Awesome. I hope, I hope soon. Um, Kirby, what do you think you would be doing in an alternate universe? If you weren't doing what you're doing now, what, what path would you have taken? A hundred percent. I would be an animal, some sort of animal trainer. I just had this <laughs> yeah. conversation with my husband and as much as I, I am an extrovert, I do love people. Um, I love animals so, so, so much more than people. There's not no comparison. I think if I had the ability right now, you know, to, to go give it all up and start over and whatever that looks like to acquire the skills to become an animal trainer, that is 110% what you would find me doing. So that's amazing. Like you didn't even skip a beat. You're like, Oh, I know exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I did a brief stint uh, when I was working in college, actually, one of my first jobs in college was working at SeaWorld um, in the education department. And it was awesome. So I wasn't a trainer, but I got to talk to people a lot about animals. It was like a crash course in marine biology and it was fantastic. So 
Yeah, that's so cool. That's what I was going to say. We're in a fantastic city. If you do decide to change careers, which we hope you don't, or at least not anytime soon. <laughs> um, okay. And, and final question for you is, I mean, you've accomplished so much in your career already. I know that you have a long career ahead of you, whether that's in, uh, you know, city government data or animal training, but uh, you know, what's on, what's on your bucket list? What else do you still hope to accomplish? Uh there are so many places I want to travel. I know travel is on everybody's uh, bucket list, but I have a specific flair uh, and angle for my travel. I really love to go to different places and kind of evaluate their public transit system. So I'm a big public transit nerd. I love rail, heavy rail, light rail, trolley, streetcars, buses, you name it. Um, I want to be on it. So there are lots of places um, on my bucket list for travel. There's way too many to name, but um, that's what excites me is again, back to me being a planning nerd at heart is just going to different places and experiencing different ways of moving people um, efficiently through cities. So um, travel is good. And I look forward to hopefully a time soon when it's a little bit safer to do some more international travel. Yes, absolutely. Well, I, I have to ask, I mean, what are some of your favorite examples of, you know, innovative transportation? So I will say um, there, there are certainly cities that have good systems and good models for transportation, but I'm going to tell you about one specific innovation that I don't think has really been deployed um, at scale anywhere that I would love to see come to fruition here, and that's the Hyperloop. So yeah. uh <laughs> This is where we're talking like, you know, real crazy, um, you know, 21st century stuff, but um, looking at these systems um, underground, you know, tubes, magnetic lev levitation, all of these systems that are, I think, really advanced, but can move people very, very quickly. Um, you know, we're talking, you know, hundreds of miles and in, in matters of minutes. Um, that's what I would love to see. I don't think San Diego you know, I think you need like a minimum distance of something like 80 miles between stops to really sort of see the efficiency of it. But um, that's what I'm, that's what I want to see happen somewhere. I want to take that tour. I want to go to Vegas where I know they've got mm -hmm. some test sites kind of happening there underground. And I always say, I think, you know, there's a lot to not to dislike about Elon Musk and he's kind of a, uh, a nefarious individual out sometimes, but um, there's some really great ideas out there too. And I'm all for the Hyperloop and I want it in California. So, yeah, well said. Can't argue with that. Same. I would like to get to Vegas in you know, a matter of uh, minutes, not hours. So awesome. Well, Kirby Brady from the city of San Diego. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you so much. Thanks again for listening to this episode of San Diego News Fix, Name Drop Edition. If there's someone in San Diego you'd like to know more about, please get in touch. You can reach me at christy.totten at sduniontribune.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-Y dot T-O-T-T-E-N at sduniontribune.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>